Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to the Vertical Podcast with J.J. Redick. This week we are joined by Jeremy Lin of the Brooklyn Nets. Let's go. This episode of the Vertical Podcast with J.J. Redick is brought to you by Mack Weldon. Guys, whatever you're wearing right now, Mack Weldon is better. Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. Mack Weldon will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershorts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you will ever wear. And Mack Weldon wants you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. They aren't just comfortable. Mack Weldon looks good and it performs well too. It's good for everyday life, going to work, going on dates, and working out. All their products are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code JJ. Easy shopping, great customer service, good looking, super comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, and hoodies. MacWeldon.com, 20% off using promo code JJ. Yahoo Sports presents the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick, powered by digital media. Find your voice. And now, your host, JJ Reddick. Welcome back to the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. This week, we are joined by Jeremy Lin, who recently signed a three year deal with the Brooklyn Nets. Jeremy was kind enough to give us some time on the same day of his introductory press conference with the Nets. You know, Jeremy obviously had a, a fantastic rise to stardom while he played with the New York Knicks. Linsanity was a seriously a global phenomenon. And it's really cool to me to see Jeremy evolve over the past four or five years. He's become a fantastic NBA player. And for the casual fan, you don't realize how good he is. But playing against him over the last few years, I do realize that. And I have great respect for Jeremy as a player because he's been able to carve out a great career despite not fitting the mold of what we think of with a typical NBA player. And I can kind of identify with that. And this isn't about race or even stature. There's some other guys I think of, Isaiah Thomas for the Boston Celtics, Reggie Evans, Nick Collison. I would like to put myself in that sort of group because we're just guys that play hard, work hard, and maximize the talent that we've been given. And we've all had really long careers. Isaiah, of course, is an all-star, but we've all had really long careers, and it's something I'm proud of. And it's one of the reasons that I have great respect for Jeremy as a player and as a person. Jeremy, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. So you had your uh, introductory press conference today. Before I ask you any basketball-related questions, I want to jump into one of the topics that we've kind of discussed in advance here, and that is your hair. You showed up today at the press conference with cornrows. And of course, you know, that, that drew some attention on the interweb. Uh, what, what were you thinking? Uh, <laughs> um, you know, a year ago, I was on this journey to, you know, with some friends and family, seven of us to get, you know, grow out the man bun. And midway through, my, uh, my best friend from high school sent me this thing with all these different cornrows. And so I saved these pictures and I was like, you know, one day I'm going to do it. And, uh, 
you know, I, I didn't really plan to do it for the press conference. I just wanted to do it in general, but I couldn't really, I don't really know any braiders in, you know, where I am in California. So when I got to Brooklyn, I was like, there for sure has to be some good braiders out here. And the team got me set up with one. And so this lady did it on Monday and I was like, Hey, I like it. I'm gonna keep it for the press conference. <laughs> Certainly a, a way to make an entrance. I want to just list the different hairstyles that you've rocked in the last year. Uh, you've gone with a slicked back look, a mohawk, a comb over, uh, various ponytails, a man bun, and my personal favorite, the double man bun. What do you have in store for us this year? Um, this year is going to be a little bit less embarrassing. Actually, shout out to our boy Spencer Hawes for rocking the double, the yes. double uh, man bun, double ponytail with me. Um, that was pretty embarrassing, but we kind of had to prove to ourselves that we had the courage to do it. But um, this year is going to be a lot more braids, um, a lot more refined stuff. Now that my hair is longer and able to do the stuff I wanted to do with it. This is probably the the ninth or tenth time that Spencer Hawes has been given a shout out on this podcast. His name just <laughs> keeps coming up. It's it's seriously it's almost every week now. It's unbelievable. So he was you on and the I, show, right? yeah, he was he's been on the show twice, and he's had yeah, and he's had about uh, nearly a dozen mentions by other guests. Uh, he just he Very just nice. keeps coming up. You and I you and I had a conversation. Both our teams were in China last October, and you, you just now just mentioned the journey of your hair. But you said something to me, something along the lines of, um, you know, there's there's this idea that I have at the very end of this journey, you know, just wait till it's all grown out. Have you now reached the end goal of that growth process? Uh, yeah, like um, the braids was uh, pretty much the final, okay. the final thing. And um, now it's going to be like, I guess the evolution here is just the different types of braids and um, the styles and what I can do with it. And once it gets even longer, I'll be able to do a little more with it. You, you mentioned that there's six other guys that you're doing this with. Are they all now braided up? Um, no. Well, the braid the braid part was optional. The, the man bun is really what... Uh, so, okay. you know, on my Asia trip this past year in June, we wanted to walk around all with man buns. And so we did do that. Um, we have two fallen soldiers. One uh, got some pressure from, from a girlfriend and the other one uh, just... He didn't have the perseverance to to follow through with with this lifestyle, and uh, he dropped out. So right now we're down to five, but actually along the way we've picked up two more members, so we are kind of back to seven. I got gotcha. you. You know I have to give you guys credit uh, for having just the internal fortitude to continue with this growth process. I made it a point this summer I was going to grow my beard out, and I hadn't trimmed or shaved it in about uh, about eight weeks. And I had to make a uh, I had to make an appearance last night though, like a public appearance <laughs> where I was speaking to a group of people. I was the keynote kind of person, so I was like, eh, I'm gonna trim it up. And I and I <laughs> trimmed it probably a little too short, so I'm kinda back to square one. Um oh, man. so nor so I, I told you this earlier when we were texting back and forth, but normally we wait to the end of the podcast to do the four on four. But because we started on the hair bit, we're gonna continue down this path. And this okay. week's four on four are the four best flows in the NBA. So the four best heads of hair in the NBA. Uh, we can alternate. I'll give you my first one. It's a teammate of mine. I think he's got, in terms of the sort of the grown out fro that guys are going for, I think DeAndre Jordan rocks it the best. Okay. Um, I'll go ahead and, you know, give him his 13th shout out, but, uh, I have to start with him obviously because he's my, uh, flow bro. Um, Spencer Haas, 
has inspired me to take my hair to new levels. So he is definitely up there. Spencer was uh, at my house about two weeks ago. He stayed with me over July 4th weekend here in Manhattan Beach. And uh, one thing I'll say about his hair just in its current state is that he really does look like one of Jesus's disciples. He looks like (laughs) a medieval artist drew a depiction of a disciple, and it's Spencer Hawes. <laughs> but when, and when, he, when he's like not like doing the upkeep with everything and making it right, he looks obviously a better-looking version of the Geico caveman, just frizzy <laughs> yeah. hair everywhere. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, he's one of those guys where he needs the upkeep. He looks fine with the upkeep. I don't mind the man bun on him. I think it looks good. But yeah, it, when, yeah. he, when he lets it go, it's, it's bad. All right, my second yeah. one uh, for us white guys – sort of the hair god in the NBA right now is Gordon Hayward. Um, okay. The guy, okay. the guy has a, a, just an incredible comb over, um, just does a great job with his side part. He's got the clean shaven fade. It just looks really good. I, it, the other thing I'll say about his hair is it never moves during the game. It just, it's an incredible. Dude, I was about to say that. It yes. never moves. And it's long too. It's not like, like my, my hair, I have a, I guess it's sort of similar haircut, but my hair's not as long as his. His hair just doesn't move. And his looks like, I don't know, the product that he's using, but it looks, uh, yeah, yeah, it's weird. But I i kept my eye out on his hair last year because I was like, dude, that is, it look, doesn't look like it's cemented in, but it doesn't move. <laughs> so I don't know. I agree with Some, that one. Someone drew it on. Someone drew it on. Yeah. All right. Is uh, he in your top four? No, he wasn't. Oh, That's my a God. great pick, though. Um, let's see. Okay. On the theme of white guys. Well, he's not really. I mean, he is, he's international. Um, Steven Adams. Ooh. He's, I don't I know see, what he has going on, but I love yeah. it. I see. I'm, I'm beginning to see a trend here that your your style, your hairstyle inspirations are all, all guys with very, very long hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. All right. So my next one also has long hair, and that's Joe Kim Noah. And he, to me is the original man bun. Like Joe Kim Noah was doing this man bun eight, nine years ago. He was doing the man bun before the man bun was a thing. So give credit where credit's due. Uh, That's true. Okay. My third is a former teammate of mine. Nick Young um, has done a great job. I feel like the kind of like the fro thing, but cutting the sides that like, I don't know what you call it, but I feel like he's the one who kind of started it, and um, or he was one of the first. And I think now what you see, if you look on his recent social media, he's taking it to the next level as well. He's had, he's had uh, like those mini dread things. The mini dreads, yeah, the mini dreads. Yeah, yeah, he's had all that. So um, Nick Young is definitely up there. I like that look. I think it's a good look. And you're right, a lot of guys have sort of copied that. The guy that comes yeah. to mind is Alan Crabb from the Trailblazers. He's got a, he's got a good head of hair as well. Um, yeah. All right, fourth, fourth for me. I'm going to go with another white guy. This guy, probably two years ago, would not have made my top four under any circumstances. He probably would have made my top four for worst heads of hair. Um, <laughs> but he really cleaned up his act uh, this year in Miami, and and I'm going to give a shout out to Bano Udri's barber for okay. doing it. But yeah. but number four for me is Josh McRoberts. I think when he has just a clean head of hair, he keeps it long, but short on the sides it looks good I, that's a solid pick um i'm kind of torn between my my last two but um it's like a tie between and it's a tie for boldness between oh, okay. uh Kawhi leonard and coach clifford because um <laughs> Kawhi is just like he just does the same braid and yeah. even though it's like not necessarily in 
but he just still does it, and he's very consistent and steadfast with his hair. So I respect his boldness, even though no one else is doing that. And then Coach Cliff, like, instead of just cutting off all his hair, he just keeps what he has left. And even though it's not that much, and we've talked about this, I've talked, we've joked about it all the time, it's not that much. He still leaves what he has and is not embarrassed about it. So I, I, it's a tie between those two for boldness. Yeah, Cliff wins sort of the Matt Lauer Lifetime Achievement Award for <laughs> for being bald but still keeping sort of a close crop on the sides. I, I got to give him credit exactly. for that. It's so funny you bring up Kawhi because, you know, I like I like what he's doing. And it's so funny because we have that conversation all the time in the locker room about guys that still have cornrows. Like cornrows, when I first got in the NBA, it was a pretty common thing. Everybody was sort of rocking them. Um, and now it seems like there's two guys that have them, Kawhi Leonard and Jeremy Lin. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot of other players too now. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, but yes, uh, I am honored to be in such company. And uh, hopefully, hopefully I can one day be like him and keep my braids as long as, as, long as he's had his. All right, let's get back to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about this free agent process. Um, first of all, uh, what attracted you to the Nets? And, and I know you had a previous relationship with their new coach, Kenny Atkinson, and, and how much did that relationship play a role in your decision to go there? Um, yeah, if I were to be honest, if there was no Kenny, the, uh, I, I would not even have come close to considering joining. Um, but that relationship is you know, one of my more special relationships that I've developed. And uh, I don't know, it's just something about going through the trenches together, um, something about, you know, when I wasn't playing and when he wasn't, you know, even sitting, you know how it is, you know, some of the lower assistants, they sit behind the bench. You don't even get to sit on the bench. Um, right. So we were both in really tough positions in our career. And, uh, you know, we just kept at it. And, um, and then I heard the vision that Sean Marks had. And um, I felt like for me, I wanted to see what I could do as a, as a starter. And I wanted to see what I could do as, you know, someone with a bigger role, and they were giving me that opportunity, so it felt like it was, uh, you know, a, a good choice for me. Yeah, I figured that the opportunity to start and be a starter again was probably really important for you, um, given your time in New York, what you were able to prove there, stretches of time in Houston, and then the last couple of years where you're you're sort of a, a part-time starter and, and, and also mostly coming off the bench. So the opportunity to do that, I figured, was a, a big thing. I'm curious, though, the market in New York, you've been there, you've played there before. It's one of the biggest, if not the biggest market. How much of, of that was important? Is it, was it as important as starting? I, I assume there were other teams that maybe looked at you as a starter. W- was the M- New York market sort of the deciding factor? Um, no, uh, the, the market um, hasn't, you know, the market to me is important just in terms of, it's more if I like the city um, and I like, I like New York, but um you know, I'm going to be out in Brooklyn more where it's a lot more chill. And um, I'm, I don't know if I'm a total, like, city guy, like a Manhattan, like, busy, busy city type guy. So I'm going to be a little bit more in a, a low-key area. But uh, it definitely had a factor. It wasn't the biggest one. I think the biggest one for me was just what's going to give me the best opportunity to be as good of a player as I can be. I actually I have a place in in Brooklyn myself. Um, it's it's yet to be completed. They're still working on it. It's one of yeah, those. Yeah, weird- uh, they were just we were just talking about that actually. Oh, okay, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here with Adam Harrington. So we were oh yeah, I told that. Adam. Adam back when he was working with DJ, I told him that. But yeah, it's um it's in Dumbo. It's one of those warehouse conversions. So 
Um, okay, I guess they're cool. they're taking their sweet time on it. They're taking if listen if it <laughs> if it finishes anytime soon, I may want to rent it out to you. So we we'll we'll talk uh, you know off the podcast about that. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> this is the Vertical Podcast with JJ Reddick. Jeremy, as NBA players, we are always in need of a quality suit, and I need to tell my listeners about Indochino. Indochino is reinventing men's fashion. You can customize the details you want, pick your lining, lapels, personal monogram, and more. There's 14 unique measurements that go into making a suit that fits you perfectly. And you can't go wrong with the well-crafted 100% merino wool suit. Also, check out their made-to-measure dress shirts and men's accessories. Made-to-measure suits are now affordable and available to the masses thanks to Indochino. When you look good, you'll feel good, and you'll feel confident. Your look, your way. So here's the deal. The code is JJ, and there's a money-back guarantee. Today, my listeners get any premium suit for just $399. That's up to 50% off at Indochino.com when entering JJ at checkout. Plus, shipping is free. There's no reason not to try your first custom-made suit with a deal this good. And a suit classic from their premium collection will look good, feel good, and last. That's Indochino.com. Use the promo code JJ for any premium suit for just $399 and free shipping. Indochino, your look, your way. And now back to Jeremy. So we're going to get to some Twitter questions because I posted a, a comment earlier on Twitter just looking for some fan questions to ask you. I got a great response, had tons of questions. One of the common ones that I got sort of thrown around was New York or L.A.? What do you prefer? You've lived and played in both totally different fields and cities, West Coast, East Coast sort of thing. Uh, do you have a preference? I know you're a California guy. Yeah, uh, I'm a California guy, and that's that's your answer right there. I think uh, if I were to choose, it'd probably be L.A. just because the beach, the proximity to family and friends, the weather, um, In-N-Out Burger. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, those things are, yeah, I kind of grew up on, and, and they, they give me that home type of feeling. So I'll probably give a slight edge to L.A., I'm such a lover of New York City. I think it's just a fantastic place. Anytime you're in the city, there's just a like a palpable buzz and there's an energy that you sort of feed off when you're in the city. But having lived out here for three years, I got to say, man, like there's no replacement for not only the weather in California, but just the landscape and geography. I mean, it's got to be one yeah. of the, the, the prettiest places uh, that I've ever been, like literally in the world. I was up in Big Sur a few weeks ago with my wife for our anniversary and it's it's as beautiful as any place I've been in the world. All right, let's get to the Twitter questions. This first one, uh, it's actually a two-part question. I, I kind of uh, grabbed two different questions from, from two different users. The first one is from Mr. T-Run. It's uh, to you. It says, at Harvard, did you ever think you would make it in the NBA? And then Mindsets and Reps asked as a follow-up, was there ever a point when you thought you would never get an opportunity in the NBA? Um. Yeah, that's the uh, at Harvard. I never, you know, I remember my assistant coach, Coach Blakeney, pulled me aside my sophomore year, and at this point, I was only averaging like 11 points a game in in the Ivy League, and uh, he was like, "Hey, you, you know, you can make it," and I was like, "Dude, you're out of your mind." Um, but by my senior year, I think after my game against UConn, um, I had a, a good game against UConn, a good game against BC, and these were, you know, there were some top level. Actually, me and Kemba always talk about that game. Um, there's some top-level prospects, and I was like, hey, maybe I do have a chance. And when you want to talk about, like, the opportunity where, you know, hey, I don't know if I'll actually get the opportunity, I would say after the draft, um, I didn't get drafted, and I thought I was going to. I thought there was 
maybe 50% chance or maybe a little higher that I was going to get drafted. And uh, it just didn't work out. And at that point, I was like, you know, because my agent told me, man, it's going to be an uphill battle. Like, there might be like four or five guys out of summer league who sign a deal that allows them to like stay and not get cut. And uh, you got to be one of those guys. And so at that point, I was like, oh, it's looking pretty slim. But I'm glad it worked out. You know, God had a different path for me. He was very unique. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm glad I got the chance. Your story is really unique. And, and obviously, you've, you've received a lot of media attention because of it. And articles of it have been written over the last five or six years about it. But, you know, I just... I would reiterate, it's just really a testament to perseverance and and sort of that belief that you have in yourself. And I know faith plays a huge role in your life, mine as well, and and sort of that faith that, hey, man, God's got it under control. I think those those are really important things. Oh, for sure. That's that's everything, because there were times when I was, like, ready to quit, and I there, there was one team where, I won't mention the team, but I cleaned up my locker. I called my agent and I said, I'm done. I'm never coming back here. You could go ahead and tell him I'm done. And, and there have been some really, really trying times. And it's like you said, man, it's without, you know, faith or understanding that there's, you know, God in control or, you know, there's a perfect plan or, you know, having that comfort, like, man, I don't, I don't think I would have made it. I, I probably would have quit somewhere along the way. I want to ask you a question uh, in terms of your own skill set. You know, you're athletic. I, I think for the average NBA fan, probably doesn't view you as a as a great athlete, but you are. I think one of the things that uh, people talk about when they talk about you is, you know, your, your IQ and you're a Harvard guy, you're a smart basketball player. Um, and I've talked about on this podcast before, but just how important is the mental side of the NBA? It might be more important than the physical side, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, like uh, your approach, you know, me and you both know, players who are just unbelievably talented, but if they don't have that edge or if they don't have the right mental preparation or if they don't have the ability to, or they don't know what makes them a good player and they aren't able to play to their strengths and, you know, read the game or whatever, like at some point, you know, talent can only get you so far. And and we've seen a lot of players who just have an unbelievable IQ and they're able to do so much. Like if you look at Andre Miller and, and he was really good, and really athletic and all those things. But, like, as he got older, his IQ was really what allowed him to still be effective. Um, yeah. And so definitely the mental approach to me is I try to worry about that more than the physical stuff because um, <clears throat> if I'm not, like, playing with the right mindset, it's over from the beginning. If I'm, not, if I'm not aggressive, if I don't believe in my shot or if I don't believe I belong, like, I have no shot. I would agree with you completely. I, I, I really do believe that at this level – the relative sort of disparity between athleticism, uh, there's some outliers certainly, but the relative disparity between athleticism is not that high. What separates guys is the stuff you're talking about and, and the mental side of thing, the approach, the mindset, uh, the aggressiveness. And you said something really interesting just now, and that's sort of knowing who you are as a player and knowing what your strengths are and playing to those strengths. And I think just this from an outsider perspective, but also playing against you over the last couple of years, um, you figured that out. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I think I've spent, I feel like I've wasted so many games not being myself. Um, and there was really like a, a turning point for me, obviously was just that, time in New York where I was about to be cut and it was a lockout year. So there was a back to back to back. 
And um, on the second game of that back-to-back-to-back, I had played, and I just wasn't myself. I wasn't aggressive. I played safe. I just played safe, and I played not to make mistakes versus play to make good plays. And so my agent kind of told me, he's like, hey, look, you know, tomorrow is the third game of your back-to-back-to-back, and you're probably going to get cut. You might get cut after that game. So if you get in this game, you got to go for it. And so I went in, and, and I just played my game, and that was my breakout game, and that was the start of it all. And I think that's when a switch kind of clicked in my mind. It's like, don't ever let yourself not play your own game. Otherwise, like, you have no chance. And that's kind of where I really learned that. And, um, you know, I think, honestly, the same for you. Like, I don't think you know how much Coach Clifford talks about you to our team. <laughs> he always brings you up as <laughs> oh, an example geez. of, like, your work ethic in Orlando and your approach and how competitive you were and the drills that you did and all that. And it's the same thing. It's like, hey, look, I'm great at this. And I'm going to keep getting better. How am I going to get more space? How am I going to come off and, and, and get open shots? And then you start refining your game. And and it's all it all starts with the mental approach, like finding what you're good at and going and building off of that and then shoring up the areas where, you know, they don't become right. liabilities. You're listening to The Vertical Podcast with J.J. Reddick. And now a word from Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. Fast, powerful, and completely online, Rocket Mortgage has taken all the complicated, time-consuming parts of applying for a mortgage out of the equation. Hate searching through stacks of old files and paperwork? With Rocket Mortgage, you can easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. Even better, with Rocket Mortgage, you can do all this on your phone or tablet. It's a quick online process that you can manage from the convenience of your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash JJ. Equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org, number 3030. So after New York, you went, you went to Houston, you were in LA, last year you were in Charlotte. Uh, so this next question is from our Twitter users, from Jeremy Ho. His question is, how challenging has it been to adapt to a new team and a city the past four years? Yeah, it's definitely annoying um, moving all the time. Um, I can tell you that, you know, I, uh, I spend more time on Zillow and, than I want to. And, um, and, <laughs> and then you feel like you meet everybody, you get comfortable and, and you figure out the system. And, and then it's like, oh, you got to pack everything up again. Uh, but I guess I'm used to it now. Um, really, it's I'm used to moving every single year. I've been in the league six years, and including D-League teams, I've been on seven teams. So, you know, that's seven different cities always moving back and forth. Uh, so I'm used to it now. And, you know, now I'm, you know, I signed a three-year deal, so I'm actually, like, putting a lot into, you know, where I'm going to live and because I know I'm going to be here a little longer. And, and so there's definitely going to be that familiarity and that comfort level that helps. And, uh, yeah, so I guess I did get used to it, but in the beginning it was pretty hard. I would assume that's that's got to be a huge challenge. I've been pretty fortunate. I've only really had one major sort of in-season move, and and other than that, I've you know I've gone into my fourth year in LA and spent almost seven years in Orlando. But it, it's something that sort of gets overlooked because there's a lot of guys that you know can have a, a ten or twelve year career, but they end up on one or two year contracts uh, for most of their career. So I, I would have to assume you're pretty happy to be on a multi year deal here. And, uh, and looking forward to making Brooklyn home. Definitely, definitely. That was one of the things I wanted to do in this free agency is, is find a home. And so uh, I feel like I've done that. Obviously, it's early, but 
We'll see. All right, I got one last Twitter question. Before I get to the actual question, uh, when this question uh, was posed to me, I realized there there was a little bit of similarity between you and I. And the similarity was sort of between my senior year at Duke and, uh, I'm going to use quotations here, but Linsanity. Um, obviously different levels. You were playing for the Knicks in the NBA. I was playing measly college basketball. But I feel like to a degree, both of us have been sort of discounted and, and overlooked at different times in our careers because of that initial success, sort of what brought us onto the landscape. And then as our career sort of you know continued on, you know, we've both established ourselves as, as, as high-level NBA players. Uh, so the question is, though, who was more famous at one point, JJ as a senior <laughs> or Jeremy's first week in the league? And, and by first week in the league, I assume he means sort of the, the Linsanity phenomenon. Gotcha. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to have to go with myself on this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I got to agree with you. I got to agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it was because uh, it was like, uh, I think I was like, there was all types of stats on number one on Google, this, this, that. So probably me, but yours was a longer duration of time. I remember during your like that season, it was you were more famous than ninety something percent of the NBA players. Like it was all day, every day. So that was, you, you know, I was probably a little hotter for a much shorter time, and you were you had to deal with that for a, you know a long time. So. Yeah, I, I would I would completely agree with you. And I, if I had just straight up answered the guy on Twitter, I would have said the same thing. But for sure, uh, what you did in New York and the, and the attention that you got and the popularity of of that stretch of basketball was was pretty awesome. And I think one of the reasons, and you'll I hope you'll agree with me, but one of the reasons is because of your background. And I was I was with you in China, and I I got to witness firsthand your popularity over there. It was insane. I mean, really, truly, you were more popular in terms of fans and, and you know, if you scored a basket in a game there, it was it was more than than Blake or CP got. These guys are, you know, top ten players in the league. Is that ever a burden for you? The popularity with, with Asians and with Asian Americans? Or do you do you own that? Is that is that a badge of honor for you? Yeah. Um I'll probably give you the more extended version. I've never said this to a reporter or anything just because it takes longer and I had to take a few years to process it. But when it first happened, it was like, it starts off being so awesome. You're happy. It's, you know, it's, it's exhilarating. It's exciting. And then all of a sudden everything happens so fast, you kind of get scared. And then, or at least for me, I got scared. And then I started to, you know, not be, trust people. And that turns me, you know, and then I became jaded. And at that point I was like, man, this is kind of a burden, you know, like this whole thing is a burden and you're jaded at people. You're jaded at the whole world. You feel like you don't understand why people are the way they are and you don't trust people. And then that turns into like pity. Once you get over that, it's like you slowly start to appreciate it and be more thankful. Like my last four years since New York, you know, going through the, some of the lows that I've had, I've been able to appreciate some of these things, appreciate the, the fans more appreciate the NBA season and the experience more. And then now I'm kind of growing into, you know, the last phase is, is embracing it. Um, like you go from appreciation and then you start to embrace it. And that's when it becomes you. And, and like you said, it's a badge of honor now. Like I love, absolutely love that. I have the voice I have, that I have the, the fans I have, that this platform is here. And if I were to be honest, when it first started, I was like, dude, I don't want any of this. You know, like I'm, I, it's too much for me. It's too scary. It's too whatever. Uh, but now I love it. And I, and I think so much more long-term and big picture. How can I change the world or impact the world? How can I challenge 
um, viewpoints. How can I challenge stereotypes? And and I, I love every part of it now. And uh, you know, when I go over to Asia every year, man, it's just they shower me with so many gifts and support and letters and love, and and it's definitely something I'll always cherish. That's a fantastic perspective to have. And I, on some level, can relate to being scared and to being jaded. And I think for a lot of athletes, they go through that, uh, you know, whether it's with family members or the media or fans, uh, or in your case, basically an entire continent. <laughs> no, I, I get it, man. That's It's got to feel like a burden at some point, but I'm happy to hear that you are embracing it. Hey, Jeremy, when we were younger, recruiters were a big part of our lives, and good recruiters find the right talent to make great teams. My listeners want to have the best recruits for their teams at work, and I'm not talking about the company basketball team. I'm talking star employees. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites, and now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 800,000 businesses. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. One more time, to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash sportsfan. All right, back to Jeremy. Uh, you mentioned your your Asia tour that you do every year, and, and that's one of the reasons we're doing the podcast now. I'd asked you back in June, but you were gone for a significant amount of time, and then we decided to do it after free agency. But for the fans here in the States, take us through what you do every year when you go to Asia. Um. So, yeah, we, we go through uh, two to three countries, and we make multiple stops in multiple cities. And um, it's a combination of all my endorsements. Uh, so I have Adidas, Tag, and I do stuff with, you know, uh, Cathay Bank, China Airlines, and um, I have Boxfish and other other things. So it's all the endorsements, uh, appearances, commercial shoots. And then you have, um, you know, I do uh, charity events everywhere I go from through my foundation. I have basketball camps. I share my testimony. So every year I write a testimony or a, like I just a, I share what I learned this past year and I tie it into the gospel message and I share that to, you know, um, in China, it's usually a top university. And then in, in Taiwan, we usually hold like an open thing. We get a, an arena and, and I just share um, kind of what I've learned uh, spiritually this past year. And then uh, it's the busiest three weeks of my every year um but it's well worth it and i get a chance to see all the fans and see a lot of friends and some of my extended family as well so um it's a whirlwind it's crazy but when it's done i'm always so thankful i did it i think it's a fantastic example of of using your platform for good and in this case it's basketball but but what you've done outside of that is is awesome this is a question i like to ask uh, certain guests but you're you're a Harvard grad. You're going to have a long NBA career. You're in the middle of a long NBA career. What do you see yourself doing when you're done playing basketball? Yeah, um, I, I feel like it's two things. Um, one, I wanted I, I've considered doing some public speaking and just kind of sharing my story, sharing my faith. Um, that's one thing that I would love to do. And the other thing is uh, my foundation. I love kids. I love working with kids, um, especially underprivileged children. And 
Um, so one thing that I've always done is whatever community I'm in, I try to find like one issue that's kind of swept under the rug or one area that people don't, there's not a lot of resources, there's not a lot of exposure, or a lot of attention around it in that specific community. And then I try to help in that area. Um, and so, you know, I do foundation stuff in, in Asia and, and back home in California and whatever city I'm playing in. And, and so for me to have a stable home when I'm done playing and be able to invest in that one community, um, I would love to do that. That is fantastic. I'm going to do one lighthearted question before I let you go. When when I signed my deal with the Clippers, I rewarded myself. I'm a big, big watch person. So I rewarded myself with uh, my first Patek Philippe uh, watch. Is there any purchase you've made or you're going to make uh, as a reward to yourself for this deal with Brooklyn? Um, I haven't done anything yet, but um, I am going to redo my parents' house and uh, as a gift to them. So, you know, I think that's perfect timing because that's coming right basically now. So that's going to be kind of the one thing that I'm going to be really looking forward to. And uh, I don't know, I'm going through housing right now, so... I'm thinking about getting a place with a nice outdoor area. So the other thing I might really treat myself to is just really decking that area out and making it pretty awesome, making it like my little safe haven um, where I can just like chill with friends and family. Sounds good. For all the listeners out there, Jeremy and I have known each other for a few years, but this is far and away the longest conversation we've ever had. Um, I, really, I mean, I, we've talked on the court before, and then about sure. your hair and about your hair in China. That's been it, pretty much. And I got to say, man, you're a guy that I have a ton of respect for. Everything you've done, both on and off the court, and I really, really appreciate the time, man. No, I appreciate it, and it's, it's mutual. I've watched film, a lot of film of you, and your game and all the things I've heard about you. Obviously we have a lot of mutual friends, you know, the NBA is a small circle. So I appreciate you having me, man. This is awesome. And, uh, you know, I love to do it again. And thank you again for hosting me for sure, man. Good luck in Brooklyn. All right, bud. Okay. Sounds good. All right. All right. Thanks, Jeremy. All right. See you later. Thank you for listening to this episode of the vertical podcast with JJ Reddick. I'd like to thank today's guest, Jeremy Lynn of the Brooklyn Nets. Remember to subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes, wherever you listen to the podcast. Please tweet me at JJ Reddick for any questions and comments. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, Mack Weldon, Indochino, and ZipRecruiter. Be sure to support them the way they support us. I'll catch you next week. This has been a digital media production. Find your voice.